0: Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu. I'm a licensed marriage therapist in the state of Missouri and an ASEC certified sex therapist. You can find me at www.therapistinsaintlouis.com. Today, I'm interviewing Joan Price. She is the author of five books, actually, Sex After Grief, Navigating Your Sexuality After Loss of Your Beloved, The Ultimate Guide to Sex After 50, How to Maintain or Regain a Spicy, Satisfying Sex Life, Naked at Our Age, Talking Out Loud about Senior Sex, Ageless Erotica, and Better Than I Ever Expected, Straight Talk about Sex After 60. Hey, Joan, how are you? Hey, Angela, I am delighted to be here. Thank you so much for coming on our show. So uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get into this field and (laughs) what makes you awesome?
1: Oh, I, wow, thank you. How can I even answer that? <laughs> so what got me into the field? <laughs> this is my third career. I'm 75 years old and uh, so I'm having such a wonderful time being an advocate for ageless sexuality. Uh, I write, as you know, and you, you listed my books. Thank you. I speak, um, do webinars. It's such an exciting time. And the way I got into this, I was first a high school English teacher, would you believe that? I wouldn't. And then, (laughs) yeah, then became a fitness professional and a writer about health and fitness, Mm. had a few books and many, many articles on that subject. And then at age 57, I fell in love with a man who was 64. We had the most the most exhilarating relationship, including sexually, but not exclusively sexually. And I couldn't believe that sex at our age, as we went through a few years after that, um, could be that marvelous. And I thought, why is this a secret? I mean, right now, people will say it's not a secret. Yeah, but it was then.
0: What made it, it a was, secret, do you um, think? I, why do you think people don't know that sex um, after 50 or 60 can be so amazing? What's going on there?
1: Because our culture sees us as either sexless, or as really pathetic if we're not sexist. And there are more geezer jokes than there are informative articles about sex at our age, or there were at that time. See, I've been doing this for 14 years now, and now there's a whole field about this. You can find good, solid, credible senior sex information from a number of resources. But 14 years ago, forget it. Hmm. So it's... um. It's a delight to see how our culture is opening up a little about that. But still what I call the ick factor persists. And that is, ew, wrinkly people having sex? That's disgusting. La 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 la. I don't want to hear about it.
0: How do you but deal with the ick factor? Love- <laughs> I mean, like what what do you think is why do you think that's the case for people?
1: Our media are our- our TV, our movies, our magazine ads, do not portray older people as sexual beings. Mm. I mean, we're really the either the invisible generation or we are the ludicrous generation. They'll, <laughs> they'll treat us one way or the other, either just put us in this background role or not Uh, see us at all.
0: So you don't think there are enough representations of people just naturally being older and beautiful and sexual people and that that isn't normalized at all?
1: Exactly, exactly. And people might say, oh, but there's Helen Mirren. Yes. And who else? Maybe five people who illustrate how we can age in a sexy, juicy way. But it's rare and 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 then you see so many other um, illustrations of older people that are so unsexy or laughed at if they're wanting to be sexy. It is. I I would say that it really irritates me, but actually it inspires me.
0: How does it inspire you? Because I
1: want to talk out loud about how how we age in a sexy zesty way. And it doesn't mean that I'm being polyamor, and saying, "Oh, yeah, it's going to be wonderful. You, you you can't wait till you get to be my age." No, there are challenges. There are plenty of body challenges, physiological challenges, medical challenges, emotional challenges, relationship challenges that we have to we have to educate ourselves about. And address, and not just say, "Oh, well, this is going wrong in the bedroom, so I guess sex is over." It's not.
0: Well, what are things? uh, That's a really interesting topic. So, um, what in what ways does sex change? Because I think that's a a lot of what I've noticed in people is just fear, and when people are afraid, they avoid things, right? Like that's the most common. That's right. And so, what are some of the challenges people will face that they can face? With some safety knowing from you, this is going to be okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to be okay, not automatically. It's going to be okay if <sighs> you educate yourself about what to do about this. Okay. Uh, for example, uh, our arousal is becomes much slower. We don't experience spontaneous desire, if we ever did. Um, erections are problematic, or sometimes... They're not happening at all. Uh, it takes. It is sometimes more difficult to reach orgasm. All of these things are 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 part of aging, and yet sometimes they are signals that there is something medically wrong. So we can't just assume oh, no more erections, I guess I'm old, so that's the way it goes. No, first get checked out by your doctor because no erections or no um, clitoral response can be the sign that there is something medically wrong, heart disease, diabetes, a neurological problem. There are a number of medical conditions that first Show themselves; they first reveal themselves as an inability to feel sensation in our gen- genitals, or to get the blood flow to arouse our genitals.
0: So, I think so what you're it saying is, is that important. sounds like you're saying that you can take your uh, temperature, so to speak, by your sexual performance. <laughs> in terms of like, oh, if you're not healthy, you're not healthy. Like, check and see how your penis is working. <laughs>
1: That's a very interesting way to look at it, Angela. I never quite thought of it as take your temperature. Exactly. They'll quote you on that. You can quote <laughs> yeah, me. Like Here, that. let me
0: check your but, temperature. I'm going to you grab know, your dick.
1: <laughs> yeah, I understand what you're saying. That's really cute. <laughs> I'm weird <laughs> like that. On the other hand, some things are really normal signs of aging, such as the slower desire or the lack of the lack of spontaneous desire. And many people don't understand, I know you do, Angela, the difference between uh, spontaneous desire and responsive desire. That is so important.
0: Why don't you explain it for them?
1: Sure. When we're young and hormone-driven, we often probably usually experience what's called spontaneous desire, which is the oh my God, I really want sex right now. I want sex right now. Right now. I mean right now.
2: <laughs> but
1: as we age, that recedes. And we may think, "Well, oh, I'm not, I don't feel desire. I'm not in the mood. I've known libido. I will never have sex again. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. No, 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 no. Try this. If you get physiologically aroused, if you go ahead and, Say, well, let me just. I enjoy my partner. I enjoy my vibrator. Let me just get started and see what happens. And if then the desire kicks in, then you're experiencing what's called responsive desire, meaning that desire follows arousal instead of preceding it. Totally normal. And if this is a new concept for any of your listeners, I recommend uh, Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that book.
1: Am I remembering the right title? Nope, that is correct.
0: That is a great, and it's a book all about that and about how different People have different ways of experience and experiencing and expressing their desire. And one thing you said earlier when you were kind of defining it too is that some people have been responsive desire all along, that like they really never exactly. experienced the benefits of spontaneous desire. But as a result of the way our culture um, shows desire, they've always felt like there's something wrong with them when really they're just a different desire style. That's
1: right. And mm-hmm. I'm picturing right now, movie after movie after movie after movie that shows this couple that starts kissing in the hallway and then they they can't wait to unlock the door and they start pulling off their clothes the moment they get inside. They kick the door closed (laughs) and they start having sex on the the counter or on the kitchen table.
2: Really? (laughs)
1: Never in my life did I want that kind of sex. And yet... The mainstream media shows that as the way it happens. This is the way arousal happens. I I just have to laugh, but then I don't laugh when I think of all the people who think that's really the way it's supposed to happen.
0: With porn too, I don't know if there's that many representations of older, older people in porn, actually.
1: I'm working on a project that is absolutely thrilling to me. Uh, Jessica Drake, who, as most of your listeners might know, is um, an adult film star. She also is an activist for sex education, and she's under contract to Wicked Pictures. And Wicked Pictures and Jessica have um, a series called the Wicked, uh, the Guide to Wicked Sex.
2: And <laughs> in this,
1: she takes different topics and creates. Educational films that are also um, that are also explicit. Well, I'm doing one with her right now. Oh, whoa! Well, <laughs> yes, the Guide to Wicked Sex, Senior Sex, and what we're doing is uh, we're really in the middle of working on it right now. We're going to be filming it in April, and and then it. Um, not sure exactly when it will come out, but probably during the summer. And the idea of this is that I will be giving the kind of information and tips that I do in my workshops and in my, in my books, and there will be real people over 60 who are demonstrating explicitly the things that I'm recommending.
0: So that you can that learn in real brilliant. life, like what this looks like, here's how you do this, here's exactly. how you communicate through it, yeah. that sort of thing. That sounds amazing. Yeah. When's it launching?
1: I know. Uh, probably this summer.
0: Okay. Well, you'll have to, when when that comes out, let, let me know. I'll put a link on your podcast too. But that's amazing. You know, I, I got to say, I, I feel know. like there needs to be more cultural representation of what sex really looks like. Because what we've talked about here are two things, either the movies that really romanticizes it, Or porn that really displays it in a way that is just not real. It's not what it looks like in real life. And it's funny, I've talked to a lot of friends and even clients about this. And a lot of times people seem to like amateur porn the best because it feels as close to potentially normal-looking sex as possible. (laughs) Not that people can't like other stuff, don't get me wrong. Everybody has their own unique interests. But I just feel like people... People deserve to see what real sex looks like because it's a lot of people just feel like there's this like trial by fire experience that we have where you, all right, hope for the best. Maybe this works. Maybe it's just this partner. Maybe you know. And and there's just not a lot of real hard, uh, I guess, visual representation of what it really looks like, so that you can feel normal. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this?
1: Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. And when I got involved with this project, mm. and I uh, sent out. Uh, announcement to my newsletter people responded with oh my gosh I've always wanted that and I didn't think we'd ever do it I didn't think we'd, there would ever be an opportunity to see this and mm-hmm. these were people who were not saying oh yay naked older people oh boy that makes me horny they were saying I really want to learn from this. I want to see, yeah. I've read your books, but I want to see what that looks like. I'd learn better visually. So, uh, this is just so cool to be able to cover that base.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So, um, you said you've been in this field for how many years? 14 years?
1: 14 years. What, uh-huh. have, what
0: have you learned along the way? <laughs>
1: <laughs> How long have you got?
0: That's why I asked the question. Every
1: day, every <laughs> <laughs> well, you listed all the books I wrote, which contains most of what I've learned, but I've learned more since then. And in fact, you mentioned Sex After Grief, my newest book. That one is in, I'm writing that right now. That will be out in August, August 2019. Uh, so it's not yet available if people are listening. Um, uh, uh as uh, if people are listening right away um, that's not available yet but it will be but that's one of the topics that i um i realized just this year needed to be written about how do we p- regain our sexuality or how do we even look at our sexuality when our beloved has died the book is specifically specifically about that and about different ways that people have done that. Can I Um, ask you about that? Like what
0: are some of the challenges that people experience kind of refining themselves after the loss of that, you know, that romantic partner, that person that, I mean, basically feels like your other half sometimes.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, there are so many different ways that people respond to that and Ways that and different behaviors that people use to either try to get their sexuality back or to um, explore new relationships or to reject relationships. So, what I did with that is I talked about my own grief journey because the person that I mentioned at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, died after we were together seven years, and that uh, was in 2008. And I would not have been ready to write this book until this year. It took that long before I could even say, yeah, I want to immerse myself in this, but it's safe to do that now. I won't fall apart. I won't lose myself in doing that. And what I did was also invite my readers to contribute their own experiences, much as I did in the book Naked at Our Age, except these are shorter quotes from people. And many people sent me their experiences and their raw feelings and what it was like, for example, to have sex for the first time with someone new when they had only been with their partner of 48 years, something Mm -hmm. like that, which is so difficult to fathom. But if you're in that situation, you go, well, there's no one to talk to about this, and uh, there's no place to learn about what might happen. And mm-hmm. some people chose friends with benefits. They wanted to get back into sex. They weren't ready for um, a, a real partnered relationship. And other people went on dating sites and and started dipping their toes into that to see whether they were ready for another relationship. Others. Um, satisfied themselves solo and thought, I don't know when I'll be ready, but I'm not ready yet.
2: Mm -hmm. And there's
1: so many things that you don't think about unless you've been through this. For example, if I'm thinking about dating again, should I only date another widowed person? Because they can understand what I'm going through and how do I even do that? Or what happens if I have sex with a new person and I burst into tears. All of these are real questions and so important and we're so vulnerable as we're when we're grieving. You know so I, I feel this is a really important book.
0: I think so too. I, you know, when you were talking about grief, I was and I was thinking of two themes, right? So, with grief, there's the grief cycle. People go through anger, sadness, shock, denial, like all of the different stages of grief. Some acceptance, like, oh, okay, I found myself, and they go through the grief cycle again, right? But then a second theme that you kept pointing out was, uh, are, am I ready for this? And how do I know I'm ready for this?" And I think exactly. that it's it's a very painful thing to experience because once you've had a loss, that that big, that great. Dating means you have to essentially approach some of those things that you're still grieving yeah. and that you're struggling with. And it's a very painful process to do. And And sometimes you think you're ready and you're not. And I've definitely noticed with people that I watch go through it. Um, I kind of see it similar. It's interesting, death and divorce, they're very, they're different things, but they're very similar in terms of the grief that people experience and work through. And mm-hmm. it's the same kind of like, how do I... Who am I? How do I touch this? I can't touch this part of myself. This is too painful, you know, and Mm -hmm. just all the emotions around grief and trying to date again makes, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that people face? Ah, (laughs) I I know. I like asking really (laughs) big, hard questions. That's my thing. (laughs) 17
1: chapters of that is what I'm working on now. Thank you. Um, Golly, uh, it's hard to pin down something. But I guess, can I just talk about one point from the book? You bet. Instead of summarizing. Um, One point is that people have the misconception that they're either not having partnered sex at all or they're having full-on everything-goes partnered sex. And one of the things that I promote is to get sexual in stages that it's not all or nothing that for example if you happen to be heterosexual it's not going from no sex at all to intercourse right away it can be let's just kiss this time let's just touch each other this time how can we pleasure each other without penetration this time it's it can be all these stages, and they can be extremely satisfying. They're not um, oh dear, I'm not going to do it full out, so it's not really going to be satisfying or pleasurable, yeah, it is maybe <laughs> more you know if you think back to when we were teenagers, when we would have i don't know how you are how old you are, angela, but i'm thirty six
2: <laughs>
1: okay <laughs> uh, in. In my day, we could have we could have crushes on someone or even be in a boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever relationship with someone. And we would, I'm putting air quotes, pet without without going air quotes all the way.
2: Yeah.
1: And we would have orgasms, we would be thrilled, we could go on for hours that way. And there was nothing dissatisfying about it. There was nothing lacking. That was the stage we were at at that point.
0: And we you could just deeply that accept again. that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we can go, we can do that again. And then so pleasurable. And that way we don't have to worry about some of these physical things like, um, uh, a penis owner will, will worry. Well, I don't know if I can keep an erection if I put a condom on. Well, you don't have to worry about that if you're not do if you're not penetrating.
0: You know, I love that okay? you say penis you owner. To- like, I wonder if you would have to register that as personal property. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there shit. are many sex educators that use that term because uh, we're try we we are. Understanding, finally, that not all men have penises and not all penis owners are men. And, of um, course. There's a different world. There's a, a more expanded world
2: mm-hmm. of uh,
1: who we are sexually these days. And, and I'm very happy to be in that world and to be uh, learning and understanding and helping other people understand that.
0: You know, Joan, I want to. One theme you just mentioned that, like, it's kind of just burning in my brain is this like sex and stages. But then I I started thinking about relationships and stages, and that I -hmm. think sometimes, you know, people have this part of maybe what makes people feel like they're rushing or or they're not ready is that they're not really analyzing or thinking about like what stage of a relationship or sex they're ready to be in and so because they feel like they kind of have to be all or nothing then there's no in-betweens and then they rush in too quick and feel overwhelmed by that what are your thoughts on it
1: oh exactly right and And you could have been reading a part of my book by saying that. (laughs) Yes.
0: Like minds, I suppose.
1: (laughs) I guess so. We're really in sync here. And I love that. Well, yes. And I think that's, even if it's not sex after grief, even if it's just being single again, for whatever Mm -hmm. reason and, and dating new people and figuring out who you want to be sexual with, you don't have to think about it as, uh, who do I want to penetrate or be penetrated by? You can think of it as, well, who do I want to kiss for a while? We, don't, we can define our own rules.
2: Mm-hmm. We don't
1: have to just, we won't know how far we want to go until we've started, right? So why should we be re- defining that with no information whatsoever except I like his smile?
0: Well, and I think it puts a lot of pressure on things. And because we have, I think as a society, we have these like defined rules for certain relationships. But what's interesting, so, you know, as a sex therapist, I do a lot of this. I've noticed that if I can help people redefine the nature of their relationship, even in weird ways, little ways, but that are just true to themselves and who they are as a person, then suddenly the same relationship becomes completely new and freeing. And it may be as simple as I'm ready to be friends with benefits, whatever that means for me. I'm not ready to be in a real boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. But the funny thing is, it's still the same relationship. They're probably doing the same things, but it's the weight of what it means to be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a life partner or whatever that means to that person. That it comes with a so much baggage, I think, at times.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's more than... I, I don't think it's the same relationship because in the boyfriend-girlfriend you are accountable to each other, there are expectations, there are um, I'm I'm first in your life and whatever our agreement is about whether you see other people, you'll observe that. Whereas in a friends with benefits, what you're agreeing to, I I would assume this, this, this is how I would define it anyway, is that we will make plans to see each other when we want to. Otherwise, we lead our own lives and we are committed to being safe if we're with other people and being safe with each other. In other words, using barrier protection and which I'm a big proponent of with everyone every time until or unless you are in a long-term committed relationship. And I think if we just agreed to that, life would be simpler. You think so?
0: Safer sex? I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) You have so many rules, Joan.
1: (laughs) I I think safer sex is sexy. I don't know if you've had a chance to view my free webinar on that. It's a, a YouTube video, 45 minutes. It's called Safer Sex for Seniors with Joan Price. And it's all about how you make safer sex fun and erotic. It's not a dismal, oh no, I have to. It's a oh boy, I get to.
0: Well, what are some ways to make safe sex fun?
1: Well, <clears throat> for one thing, realize that when you're ripping open that that condom wrapper, that means you're having sex with someone. So if we can associate it with oh boy, we get to take the next step here sexually. And I'm really going to love this. Mm-hmm. Instead of, oh boy, I hope I can feel something if I put this condom on. You'll, you'll feel it. Yeah, you'll feel it. I mean, what, is no sex with with no condom better than Yes, sex with condom, I and mean, let's look at that. Let's balance that out.
0: Yeah, I was the thinking a way is... you could maybe make it sexy as if you did a dance as you're opening up the condom, and maybe like whipped it around a little <laughs> bit. You <laughs> like make it a flirtation. Why not? Yeah,
1: well, there's, there's one. There's one thing that I illustrate in the webinar, which is how to put a condom on a penis using your mouth,
0: which is very sexy. <laughs>
1: That sounds sexy to you? Okay, view that. View that video then. <laughs> Safer Sex for Seniors with Joan Price. You'll learn exactly how to do that.
0: Well, but I think what I'm pointing out here is that I, what you're saying is that, you know, when people have that like thought process of, oh, I have to use this condom, this is going to make it like, so it already keeps them from making it a sexual fun experience. It becomes a barrier instead of it being an enhancement. This thing that's, this is just one of the things that you get to do as a part of having sex with another person. So first the perspective has to shift, but then the actions around it can shift too, because there are plenty of ways to make a condom sexy. <laughs> It just depends on your creativity.
1: Yes. Exactly. Very well said. I agree with everything you said.
0: Well, awesome. So I'm, I'm curious. Um, so what are some of the things in your book, uh, naked at our age talking out loud about senior sex? What are some of the things that you want to see seniors talking more about, or even just the rest of the population when it comes to sex?
1: Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned naked at our age. It's, my award winning book, it won two awards and was um, a finalist for a third. So I'm very proud of that. And in that book, what I do is I invited, what I did is I invited people, my readers, to submit their own stories about their sexual problems, their, uh, their, their issues, their concerns, their questions, and I had 45 experts answering them. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, an anecdote from a reader and then an expert responding to that, and that was so, so good because, for example, I had people who wanted to know about sex after cancer treatment Mm -hmm. or... Um, what the, what to understand about erectile dysfunction or is it even erectile dysfunction if, if I have morning erections but I can't maintain an erection enough for intercourse or relationship issues. How do I know when it's time to go?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So all of it just, it wasn't just the act of sex because I feel and I, I, I think you would agree that sex has to do with everything, and everything has to do with sex.
0: (laughs) I do agree, (laughs) right?
1: Um, um, Medical issues impact sex, and sex impacts medical issues, and so on. Pretty much, if we're if we're used, we we need to understand that we are. Sexual beings. Mm -hmm. That's not the only thing important to us. But when that's missing, it can sometimes impact all sorts of other things. When it's going well, it can impact so many other things. So, in Naked at Our Age, when I subtitled it Talking Out Loud About Senior Sex, we were revealing things that we don't tell people. Mm -hmm. And now, the reader anecdotes, especially, some people sent me their stories and said, I haven't even told my partner that I feel this way or I've never told my doctor about this but. Um, And this is so important to just get these things out to realize, to normalize it as you said earlier and to realize that if there is a problem, then let's go seeking a solution instead of just internalizing that problem and assuming we can't do anything about it And so sex as we knew it is over.
0: Well, you know, Joan, you're speaking to a lot of really important themes. And one that sticks out to me is just that I've noticed that when people can get very vulnerable sexually, but become their authentic sexual selves, that they feel more Mm -hmm. powerful and empowered in life because it's such a vulnerable topic. It's such a it's so yeah. such a big part of our core as human beings and no your whole life isn't all about sex but it is somewhat and if it's if that space isn't safe and protected but also by safe i mean like safe to expand and to grow and to be authentic then it's very hard yeah. i've noticed in life to be that same form of authentic powerful person. Like they they really are connected. And what I've seen in the people that I've interviewed over the years for this podcast is just when people really come into themselves, they come into their sexual selves. And and it's it's a growth process of course across life. But I really think it's a big part of being true to who you are as a human and our humanity. I don't know what are your thoughts on it though. That's a big, that's a big mess of stuff, but it's just me kind of putting some pieces together here. <laughs> Well, it is big.
1: It is big. And especially for the older generation, we were not taught to talk about sex. In fact, we were told not to talk about sex and not to do it, first of all, and then not to talk (laughs) about it. And we don't really have the experience and the guidelines for them. When things are not going the way we'd like, what do we do then? We have to learn to talk about it. We have to learn to seek help. Maybe we need a sex therapist. Maybe we need to go to our doctor. And, in fact, one of the things I do in my workshop, and I wish wish you could attend one.
0: Maybe I will. You'll just have I to give me links. People-
1: <laughs> yeah. I teach people what I call the medical mantra for how to talk to your doctor. mm because that's a hard thing. First of all, your doctor looks to be the age of your grandchild. And, <laughs> and then you have a 15-minute a appointment. And the doctor wants to know about the urgent issue that brought you in because it's about treating. It's not about quality of life exactly. It's about treating the, the, the medical concerns. And so if you have a, um, if you have a sexual question, How do you even talk about it?
0: Well, that sounds like it would be a very helpful skill to learn.
1: Yeah, I teach them this medical mantra. Would you like to learn it?
0: Yes, tell me it. Tell the whole world.
1: (laughs) Okay, repeat after me. Doctor. Doctor. My sexuality is important to me.
0: My sexuality is important to me.
1: Here's what's interfering with it.
0: Here's what's interfering with it.
1: Let's run the test and find out what's going on.
0: Let's run the test and find out what's going on.
1: And if you can't help me.
0: And if you can't help me.
1: Please refer me to someone who can.
0: Please refer me to someone who can.
1: <laughs> Isn't that empowering?
0: No, I think it's really important because I think, you know, I I know many clients have talked to, have had this experience where, you know, the doctors are doing a form of triage and they're doing the best that they can. So like, I always have mad respect for Mm -hmm. my docs, but I think they're worried about the crisis. And so in that triage, they pick the life and death situation over the quality of life. But quality of life is just as important as life and death.
1: Yes. And often the doctor does not know the answer to the question.
0: Which encourages so it is them to fight.
1: <laughs> for, the, for us to educate our doctors that they do need to get informed or they need to create a referral network. For example, someone comes in with vaginal discomfort. Well, the doctor may not know and may try to treat it without diagnosing it which is a danger because the treatment will be different depending on what is causing the problem, where the pain is, when the pain is, um, how the pain manifests itself, um, where exactly is the location. And so what the doctor needs to do, in my educated opinion, (laughs) is to have a referral list for pelvic floor therapists. Mm -hmm. Who are the people who can diagnose this and can recommend treatments? Mm -hmm. The doctor doesn't have that education, but we don't. uh, Many of us don't even know that pelvic floor therapists exist or where to find one.
0: Well, and that's such an important service too. You know, I've definitely noticed that. Like, um, you know, to your point, uh, if a doctor doesn't like go a little further. The same pain experience in a vagina can either be a yeast infection or a pelvic floor muscle pain condition. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're not going in depth into what that pain looks like, how it, it presents, and how often when, you know, like all of those context questions you're asking, you can completely be treating the wrong issue.
1: Exactly. And you could be making it worse.
0: Yes, yeah, because if you keep treating a yeast infection, for example, with the medicines that are meant to essentially clean that space out, and it needs to be not cleaned out and just naturally using its own yeah. lubricants, yeah, you can really hurt a vagina <laughs> in many ways.
1: That's right. That's right. And so many vulva owners wouldn't even bring this up, or if they do bring it up, then and they're given some sort of treatment and it doesn't work, then whose fault do they think it is? Their own.
0: They do because right? we have a tendency think, well, to internalize.
1: I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm broken.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, or they'll
1: just or or they'll just barrel through it and say, "Okay, it'll hurt, but I know it's something you need, honey. So let's go for it." And I'll just cringe here. No, no. we don't want to do that to our sexual partners or to ourselves.
0: Well, Joan, it's been really great having you on the show. I feel like I could probably talk to you for hours, but I can't. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, I <laughs> oh, can't, <no. laughs> you know, there's a limited time to the show, but like you've got so many cool things to talk about. So right like last minute here before we end, I'm curious if there's any final things you want to plug for the listeners.
1: Well, I'd like the listeners to um, visit my website, JoanPrice.com, and my blog, MakeItAtOurAge.com which is where all the senior sex talk happens. And um, from there, you'll see how to subscribe to my newsletter and be, and see about the books and other projects that I'm into. I am so happy to have this opportunity to talk to your listeners. And you're doing, you're doing something wonderful here, Angela.
0: Thank you, Joan. I, I appreciate that. You're doing something wonderful too, I can tell. Well, so that is the end of our show. Um, You have been listening to www.AboutSexPodcast.com. If you want to find me, visit TherapistInStLouis.com, or you can also check out my books, Helping Couples Overcome Infidelity, or Premarital Counseling at Amazon. Feel free to email your questions to AboutSexPodcast at gmail.com, and we may just answer them online. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu. Stay kinky, St. Louis.